You can name John Wooden, Bill Parcells, Bobby Knight, Pete Carroll. They all have different personalities. And what makes them special is they kind of stick to their personality and adjust at certain times for their kids. looking for a high-energy, competitive way to get your team to compete while training athleticism, hand-eye coordination, and lateral quickness? If so, you got to check out Spikeball. Top high school, college, and professional athletes around the world are using Spikeball as a fun and safe competition to start their training sessions, practices, and workouts. It's also a tremendous way to train your routines and releases and build that elite mindset. As a listener to the Peak Performance Podcast, you can get a free spike ball set by visiting briancane.com slash spike ball. Again, that's briancane.com slash spike ball because if you're not playing spike ball, you're just playing games. In this podcast, we go all the way back to 2006, where I sit down with one of the greatest coaches in all of college athletics, Tim Corbin, the head baseball coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Coach Corbin led Vanderbilt to the 2014 NCAA National Championship and has led Vanderbilt to be one of the premier, if not the premier college baseball program in America. In this podcast, Coach Corbin is going to talk about the mental game. And again, as we go back to 2006, you get to hear a lot of what Coach Corbin was saying almost 10 years ago about the mental game and get to compare and contrast that with now as you hear him more frequently on ESPN or hear him more frequently during the College World Series or in articles talking about kind of the evolution of the mental game. So let's go back to 2006 and join one of my mentors, one of my good friends, and one of the top coaches in all of college athletics, Tim Corbin. This is Brian Kane here with Tim Corbin, head baseball coach at Vanderbilt University. And Coach Corbin, thanks for taking the time out of your hectic schedule here in late January to sit down and talk with us a little bit about the mental game. And We've spent two weekends together here, and what are some of the things that stick out most to you as a coach that you think you can take from the presentations we've done and the things we've talked about from the mental game that will help your guys and your team to be more successful? Probably uh, coping mechanisms once they get into the game itself. I think uh, particularly in the situation that I'm, I'm coaching, I'm working with kids that are, uh, I, w- I would think, are highly motivated. Uh, they're self-starters. They're motivated to uh, succeed both academically and athletically. And um, when you run into a situation where you got a coach who uh, applies maybe a little bit more pressure to them, they have the pressure of uh, succeeding in the classroom, on the field, and, and, and they want to play. And, and that, that pressure builds up. And in doing so, it, it affects their play um, in practice and in games and so on. And I think the thing that, uh, that, I've, that I've gained from, from us being together and, and from, from your work is uh, the ability to, uh, of your tools to uh, pass, those on, pass those on to the kids so that they can uh, have some type of routine that they can go back to in order to uh, gain maybe peace of mind and uh, some some sil- silence their mind to the point where they can uh, compete and uh, not have to worry about a lot of external factors that come into play. So I think with all, what your routine also does, it also gives them confidence because where, where does confidence come from in a game of failure in baseball? You know, as a hitter, if you succeed – 
70 percent of the time you're pretty good college you know 40 percent of the time you're having success you're real good Mm -hmm. and i think where the routine comes into play is is no matter if they're 10 for 10 or 0 for 10 if they do their routine and it's the same approach every single time they'll have the confidence that i know i'm doing the thing i I work on every day and give myself the best chance for success yeah i i truly believe that because um there's a lot of uh even though we're playing at a high level of baseball here there there are some kids that are i would say highly skilled and then there's some kids that may not have those type of skills they may not be the five tool players but yet they're playing here and i think those kids are playing here because they do have confidence and i think when it gets right down to it um any athlete but in in this particular venue here the kids who play with the most confidence are, are the kids you're going to lean on, and the kids you're going to lean on, quite frankly, at the end of a game or when when something's really important. Hmm. You know, we've spent some time talking about the concept of signal lights and how green lights are confident thoughts. Guys are playing well, things are going your way, getting the result, positive self-talk. Yellow lights, red lights, something goes wrong, you start that negative spiral. <clears throat> and what the awareness, what we're trying to do is develop that awareness both in staff and in player, that when the garbage starts to hit the fan and things start to spiral a little bit out of control, the game starts to speed up, that they have something to go to. And that's routine, that's focal point, that's deep breath, all those things. What are some things that you've seen in your guys that when they start getting yellow lights or red lights, what are some things that you're seeing them do to deal with those to get back to green? Well, the first thing I believe is the from a hitting perspective, uh, just the hitters taking a routine into the box. And, um, for instance, uh, going from the on-deck circle and timing the pitcher and kind of getting an idea of what he's going to be before they step in the box, stepping in the box and really focusing in on something, whether it be their bat, whether it be the dirt, whether it be some type of object in which they can slow down their mind just a little bit so they can start... uh, uh, so they can start just evaluating the baseball and, and just attacking the ball. I think after that, once the at-bat's over, um, the routine's about going back into the uh, the dugout, uh, putting your bat back, putting your helmet back. Um, if you've had a bat at-bat, being able to, to flush that both physically and mentally and then uh, get back to uh, what's important now, and that is either playing defense um rooting for a teammate or uh, getting yourself mind ready for for the next at bat from a pitching perspective it's typically the same thing just without uh, you know a bat Um, pitchers being able to focus in on something an object on the ground or in their glove or somewhere uh, in in their area and then stepping on the rubber and again, focusing on what's important now at that moment, and that is delivering the pitch and the best pitch you possibly can. If they make a bad pitch or there's some external factors, whether it's crowd noise, noise, umpires, <clears throat> a bad call, the ability just to turn that off, back off the mound, uh, get all of your the necessary evils that are in your mind out of the way, then approach the mound with... Uh, uh, a calmness about you and a peace of mind, step back on the rubber and you're ready to go. So much like the hitter flushing their bat away when they get into the dugout, the pitcher doing the same thing, but his way of flushing is just stepping off the mound, getting rid of it, and then getting back on the mound again to pitch. 
this comes, <coughs> comes right from my, my time with George Horton where he's always saying, the game knows, the game of baseball knows. <clears throat> and he'll say, if, if the game knows that if you bring negative energy or you bring self-doubt or you know previous pitches that you're holding on to into the batter's box or onto the pitcher's mound, it's like actually trying to throw two baseballs at once. And one of the things we'll do is, is take two baseballs, tape them together. If you see that pitcher holding on to a pitch that an umpire made a bad call on or a guy made an error or whatever, you go out and you give him the two baseballs and say, hey, try to throw this thing into the mitt, man, because that's what you're doing. And with the concept of the game knows, it's exactly what you're talking about. Is It's okay to be negative. I mean, for us to tell these guys, hey, man, things aren't going your way, you got to be just, just be positive all the time. Yeah, right. And it, it's, it's, it's not that easy. But for a guy like David Price, who we see throw in the inter squad scrimmage the other day, umpire, you know, misses a pitch. Dave, what does he do? Get off the mound, turns his back to home plate, walks onto the green grass because he knows I got to get back to green lights. I don't take negative energy onto the mound. That's my sacred place. He looks at the zero in the middle of the 400 sign, puts all the negative stuff in there. When he's done, takes a good breath. That's his focal point. Turns back up, walks up on the mound, positive body language, getting ready to pound the zone. And I think, for, if nothing else. It gives those kids something to go to when the wheels start to fall off, when the game starts to speed up. Because in previous years when you've coached him, what have you seen guys do when the garbage starts to hit the fan or the game starts to speed up? What do they normally do? Well, it just multiplies and, and uh, seems to get worse before it gets better. And I think as a coach, you, uh, you, you think that you're doing things to help your kids get through that, but inevitably uh, we're not always going in that direction. We may be working against them actually when we're trying to help them. And, and by that I mean you're trying to settle them down or uh, there's some movement out of the dugout that implies that you're getting another pitcher ready because they're failing or so on. And I, I just think I draw back to what I said initially. It's, it gives them coping mechanisms. The other thing that, that you spoke about that relates to that is carrying the bricks. And um, uh, when when you carry extra bricks, um, not only uh, maybe after practice or after a game, you can certainly uh, carry those bricks during a, a game or during a moment as well. And that's that's something you know whether it's two balls, you're thinking about the last ball that you threw. Uh, that's that's just another brick that that's on your mind. And uh, I think uh, relinquishing bricks, unloading them before you get back into the batter's box, before you take a position to field the next ground ball, uh, before you get back on the mound to throw your next pitch, those are the things that I've probably been, been yearning for as a coach to teach my kids, but uh, you know, not, not knowing or not being able to apply my own methods to that. And I think that's the, the greatest benefit for these kids is to, to get that information and, and start to work with it. And hopefully it, uh, well, it will, it'll, it'll benefit their, their uh, performance. Two more questions. First one, talk about the terminology. <clears throat> You've thrown it, we've thrown out signal lights, we've thrown out bricks, we've thrown out release, focal points, routines. What benefit is it to have this, you know, and, and whether it comes from the coach or it comes from a, a guy like myself who comes in and, and, and tries to, to lay that foundation. But either way, what is the benefit of having that common terminology so that now a kid you know, isn't a mental midget, he's a guy who has no self-awareness of when he gets into yellow lights and the game speeds up and he has nothing to go to. He's just not aware of when the game speeds up. So we can work on that. What are the, what's the benefit or what have you seen with the players since, you know, I've been, we've been doing this now for almost, you know, 10 days or so, what are some of the benefits you've seen with that terminology? 
Well, it's the reason it works is because it's not common terminology. It's not terminology that they've heard before, and it's not applied toward their towards their uh, practice or workouts. So when they hear it now, it applies to a vision that you've given them or they've seen, and therefore they can they can put it back into play. Um, the re- relation would be a terminology that we use in baseball. Uh, for instance, for us, uh, the word fire means that a runner is taking off behind them. So they react differently than just stepping off the rubber to check a runner. And then they know that someone's running behind them, so they have to act a little bit differently. Your terminology is based towards the mental game. And because it's not common, and because I haven't used it before, it applies to something that you've taught them that they can apply at that moment to what they're doing. And uh, I I just, like anything else, it's new for them. So they can use it, and it's, it's worthy. Awesome. Last question. <clears throat> of all the coaches listening to this interview, if you could remove the skull cap and plant one thought or one idea into their head to help them be more successful coach, whether it's a mental game or a practice organization, anything you want, Tim, what's the one idea that you would give to these coaches that if you knew they would take away and use, they'd be more successful? What would it be? Well, it's, it's something that I'm going to strive to do as a coach myself, and it, uh, it's, it, it's a never-ending battle, and I, I think a lot of coaches uh, probably go through it. To what degree, you know, that's all individualistic, but I, I think, uh, I think as being a head coach or a leader of any type of organization, it, it's important to know, and I think we all do know, that um, your players will take on the personality of a coach. And thus, if your personality is calm or uh, type A, for instance, they will in turn start to take that on. But I think uh, what I've wanted to do as a coach and am still learning to do and will continue to do is uh, try not to bring my feelings of pressure, whether they're uh, physical or verbal, into the team because... uh, I, I don't need for my team to to know the burden of anything that I'm thinking about. And I think a lot of it is play acting. I think you, you've got to act a lot as a coach. Sometimes when you're feeling bad, you've got to put on the uh, show as if everything's okay and you're fine. And, and vice versa, too. You can't get so happy that you go above the other line there where the kids sense that and they say, wow, we can tell where when he's really over the top and we can tell when he's really underneath uh, you need to ride a line that is that is um, somewhat even now you in saying that you can't be fake either you can name John Wooden Bill Parcells Bobby Knight Pete Carroll they all have different personalities and what makes them special is they kind of stick to their personality and adjust at certain times for their kids and I think we're uh, in a time where you have to adjust to your kids because it's a lot different than it was 10 20 years ago and uh how, how you approach these kids, I think, in order to be successful uh, depends upon a lot of your mood and the energy that you give them. And I think the couple of things you said there that I want to make sure people understand is you, you mentioned how the team will take on the personality of the leader or of the head coach. Mm-hmm. And I say red lights and green <coughs> lights are contagious. And whatever you're feeling, if it's a big game and, and you're a little tight, the team is going to follow. If it's a big game and, and you can treat it, hey, man, it's the same, th- same game we've played the whole year, same two-by-four. Let's go out and do what we do, play Commodore baseball, and we'll see what happens. We're not changing anything. They'll buy into that same mentality. 
So red lights and green lights are contagious, but then also fake it, act. It's play acting, and I use the acronym ACE, A-C-E. Acting changes everything. If you don't feel good, if you, know, you, you can go out and you fake it. And it's Kevin Costner, when he talked about in that video clip, of as an actor, you have to have a technique that you use because you're not always going to feel good. You're not always going to feel great. But if you fake it, sooner or later, about two innings into the game, you start to feel good. Or for Costner as an actor, about 10, 20 minutes into the acting, you pick it up, you find it. And if you have that thing to go to, if you have that technique you can use, you're going to be able to turn that negative performance around and find a lot more success, I think. Coach Corbin, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Good stuff, and look forward to working with you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.